0: several things at once. Yeah, yeah, that's not me. I I don't usually do multitasking well at all, but Sometimes I try and it's a little fun Because usually I trip and fall and stumble And <laughs> it makes it a little more fun But I'm going to do something We've been doing this for the past several weeks We've been in uh, been talking about faith And I've encouraged you to memorize a uh, Two verses of scripture during the fall That's it, just memorize two verses of scripture Every week I take out more words I put it up on the screen Every week I take out more words So that you kind of have to think a little bit more As we're doing it But you have other little filler words in there To, to encourage Encourage you along the way. So, put it up on the screen. Let's go ahead and do this. I want you to say this out loud with your good outdoor faith voices that you, know, that, that you would have had if you were at a football game this weekend. All right? Come on. Say it with me. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen... It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you. What? Tell you. Here's, here's one of the new blanks. Tell you. Therefore, I tell you. It does look funny there with you blank you, doesn't it? See, that, that's confusing me already. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. There's another blank missing, but received it, and it will be What? Yours. Done. Yours. It's yours. It's not done. It's yours. It's yours. It will be yours, not done. Yes, yes. Please get it right because you messed me up there. Donna, I just, I, I don't understand why. You, I can't multitask. I can't listen to you and do it out of my head at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, next Sunday I'll be finishing up my series uh, called Faith Accelerator, and my message is going to be entitled "How to Move a Mountain." It's funny because as Elizabeth was was uh, was leading us today, she said we're we're going to be moving mountains today, and I, and I said, oh, no, no, that's that's next week." But but of course, no, we, we, all the time we do. But next week I'm talking about how to move a mountain. This week my message title is called taking faith risks taking faith risks and i did skip over this but there are a couple of scriptures that i want you to look up one is james chapter 2 verse 26 and the other is joshua chapter 2 verse 1 leave those up there for a second i'll just give you a good heads up i'm going to put a little bit of that on the screens but most of that is going to be straight from your bibles i need for you to look in your bibles i want you to learn to open your bibles use them and even, you know if it 's a digital Bible or a hand, or a, a paper Bible, just please get into your Bibles because this is good i I could be standing up here telling you all kinds of stuff and even put it on the screens and it 's not true, but if you have your Bible, you can match what i 'm saying against the Word of God and do you know what as believers we are challenged to do that I challenge you to do that I think that's that's right that's good and that's healthy so really as we're moving through this, I just have to ask you, where has the enemy robbed you? What, uh, what breakthrough are you needing? What obstacle is between you and your miracle? And and what I'm doing in this series is I'm challenging you to dive deep into God's word, take it, and personalize it, and watch what God will do in your life. So today, I'm talking about taking faith risks, and I, I looked up risk-taking, and I I looked it up online. I feel there's a lot that's out there about that. I'm certainly not going to preach about what I found online, but except one little part, uh, Webster defines risk-taking this way. It's doing something that involves danger or risk to achieve a goal doing something that involves danger or risk to achieve a goal. And there's a lot out there, a lot of psychological stuff and leadership stuff that says how wonderful risk-taking really is because risk-takers actually are the ones who advance in life. And sure, there's risk and there could be potential problems, but uh, taking risks is healthy overall. Now, I, I'm not going to take what the world says and apply it to this message. I'm going to take what God's word says and apply it to our lives. Would you like that? All right. James chapter 2, verse 26. I asked you to look this up. <laughs> I love this scripture. This is one of my favorites. I, I tell you about that about a lot of scriptures, but I have about 50 favorites in the Bible. This is one of them. And James chapter 2, verse 26 says this. It says, as the body without the spirit is dead... Okay, so that's a physical body who no longer has a spirit. When a person dies, their spirit leaves them and it's no, the person is no longer there. It's, it's really a corpse. So as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds or faith without works is dead. That's right. Shout me down over there. I like that. That's, that's exactly the truth. Now, I want you to hold your place right there because I'm going to come right back to this scripture. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around... Um, a dead body, but there's no life there. There's nothing there. I, probably one of my most embarrassing moments in, in ministry was uh, quite a few years back when I was a children's pastor. And I was a children's pastor at a large church in the Metroplex. And and as I was, uh, it was my day to, we had this day every week where one of us on the staff would go and do hospital visitation. That means you drive all over the Metroplex and you visit the hospitals and visit the people in the hospitals. It was great. But, uh, and so people would be all over the place. And so I was heading up to do that. And and, uh, just before I left, someone called my office and said, hey, uh, Pastor Tim. There's, there's a man, and uh, you, you don't know him, but, but his family, they, they've been attending our school because we had a Christian school attached to the church, and he said, yeah, you probably don't know him, but, but he just had an aneurysm and is at the, uh, at the hospital at Medical Center in, in uh, Dallas, and will you please go over there? He's in ICU right now, and his family's with him. So i like, oh, absolutely. So I jumped at it. I, I I, I, got, I headed up there, made sure I had his name, did the normal thing of walking into the ICU and, and walked in there, walked right over to his room. And I see one of the things I've learned to do in the past is when, you, when I go into hospitals, I don't ask questions. I just, if, if, you, if you don't ask questions, people will basically leave you alone. You start asking questions, they may throw you out. And as a pastor, I've learned that a long time ago. So I just had confident walk through. A lot of times people saying, are you a doctor? i was like, oh, no. And I just keep walking along. But so I walked all the way in through, got you know, just walked. right? Ride right into i c u and uh, and by, by the time I got in there went looked to the board side of his room, went over to him, and he was there in his bed. There were a couple of ladies there in the in the room and uh, and I said hi, you know i explained who i was and said i 'm here to to visit you and 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 just to, just to pray right now and 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 this lady said, and i didn 't know these ladies, but one was older, one was you know about the age of her Uh, of the man, which obviously was his wife, I was assuming, she said, he's, he's right over there, you know, to the bed. I'm like, well, you know, I can see that, but okay, so, so I, I went out and I said, well, would you guys like to pray? And I didn't know these people at all. So, would you, would you guys like to pray? And so I get ready to pray for the guy. But I'm, I'm honest to God, it was the first time. And the, and the last time, I still haven't experienced this. I had no faith. I mean, there was no faith there, there was zero, there was nothing. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I normally can go into hospitals and pray for God to heal and for. I don't have any faith and so I was kinda just I was upset with myself, like you man of lacking faith, what is your problem? I was kinda getting on to myself about the whole deal. And and as I, I, I went over to the bed and I I I saw the lady I said, well, well come on over here and I told the other lady, come on over here, let's pray. And so I laid my hand on the man and, and just began to pray and I and, and as I was praying. I, I honest, I, I felt terrible as I was doing this. I just pray for God to comfort everybody in the room, for, for God, just the peace of God to be there, and for it to be a wonderful day. I mean, I was praying to like what I would consider to be the lamest prayer ever. And and, and I, after I finished praying with him, I thought, I can't believe this. What is wrong with me? Well, actually, I think God had kind of, now I'm, I'm confident now that God had kind of prepared me for that because as soon as I said amen, The lady looked at me and she said, "Just to let you know, he died like one minute ago." And you want to? At that moment, I went, "Oh my goodness!" And she says, "You know, I'm I'm his husband. Her, uh, I'm uh, his wife, and this is his mother." And I was like, "Well, okay." Um, let's let's pray with you guys. And so, you know, I, I prayed with them. But the whole time, guys, I just, I got to be honest with you. I am feeling so awkward. I feel like, you idiot. What did you do? Because as soon as she said that he had just died, I then went ahead and looked at the little monitors, you know, that have all the little numbers on it, and everything was blank. Everything was flat. There was nothing going on there. And I thought, I have humiliated myself, humiliated God. And I, I I prayed for them. And as I was leaving, I thought, I just was praying for a dead man. That is, that is just the craziest thing. That was my first experience like that. And, and I'll, I'll just tell you this much. The body without the spirit, there's nothing there. In fact, I even, that's even probably why I felt nothing that day. There's nothing there. There really isn't. That's, that's the house that he used to live in. And, and a lot of times people think that, well, if I just have faith in my head, wonderful things are going to happen. Well, faith in your head isn't going to do anything. Because what we just read, what we just read from James 2.26, if you have faith in your head, and you can even say things with, about faith, and you talk about faith, you think about faith, you act like you have faith, but you don't do something, you don't take action, then it's like a corpse where the spirit is already gone. And I don't want you guys to be embarrassed. I don't want you to be embarrassed anymore about having faith because all you're doing is you're just, you're just propping up a corpse. Now, that sounds kind of serious, but that's exactly what the Bible says. Now, really, what, what the truth is here that I want you to understand today is faith demands, it demands action Oriented risk taking. I'll say that again. Faith demands action oriented risk taking. It does. Now again, I told you James 2.26 is a favorite scripture of mine but what comes to life is when you look in the context. Now I told you to hold your place there in James 2.26 and I want you to look up at the previous verse, James 2.25. Look at the context because at first it seems like what does this have to do with what we just talked about, but it has everything to do with it. Look at it. James 2.25 says this, says in the same name, the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This whole, James 2.26, that whole verse is based upon a character in the Bible, which is one of the greatest examples of how you have to have action with your faith. And it's a woman by the name of Rahab. And I like what they say in there because they call her by her occupation. They might call me Tim the Preacher, and then that's fine. But they call her Rahab the prostitute, and she is a starring role in this Old Testament drama, uh, one of the dramas that just about every child knows about, and it's about Jericho. It's about when the walls of Jericho came down, and they took the great city of Jericho. Little boys and girls, they love learning about that in our children's classes sometimes, and I'm sure it's it's fun because I don't know whether you guys do this in the children's classes or not, but I remember as a kid, we th- some, sometimes teachers would build these blocks up, and we'd march around, we'd march around, we'd march around, and, and go, yeah! Praise the Lord. And then the teacher would shake the table and all the the blocks would fall down and we'd cheer because we would go rushing in to Jericho. I loved that as a kid because it was a powerful illustration of the power of God. But this woman has a starring role in this whole story, but quite often she's overlooked. Most people talk about when they marched around seven times and the the seventh day, the seven times, and and they blew their trumpets and all that part of the story. But most people don't like talking about this other one because it's a bit saucy. But I'm not afraid to talk about it. And I think we really need to because I can't preach about James 2.26 if I don't include James 2.25 in it. you with me? So Rahab the prostitute, her story changed forever because she had this action-oriented faith that she put into action. Now, if you're unfamiliar with, with the story, uh, God's, God's people were led out of Egypt by Moses and Moses had died. Uh, f- he had died 40 years later and it was uh, there was a new leader, Joshua, who was taking God's people, the children of Israel into their land of promise, the promised land. They had crossed over the Jordan River and the first big obstacle they had was this huge walled city with very, very thick walls. I mean huge thick walls uh, that was called Jericho. It was considered impenetrable. They, there was no way to get into there, no way to take that that huge fortress city. But what happened is, is Joshua had appointed a couple of men, and these men were, I guess what you would call special forces. They were spies. They went in secretly and disguised themselves and went into the land, and they they actually got into the city of Jericho to spy out the city to kind of know what they were up against. So that was some wisdom. That was some strategy on the part of Joshua to send the guys in. Well, he sent them in, and they're getting ready for attack. Now, I need for you to look in Joshua chapter 2, Joshua chapter 2 chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read this from the Bible. We're going to read the narrative of what happened because it is actually very riveting. Most people like to talk about the story of Joshua and Jericho in the chapters afterwards, but I'm going to talk about the first part that happened here. Let's do it. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, that's not the son of Jake Nun. It was a different Nun right there, and it's not a Nun who was in the Catholic Church because that's a very different thing right there. That would be kind of strange. So Joshua the son of Nun—that was his dad's name, okay? Joshua son of Nun secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there okay, you know what? Right off the bat, it's just weird. Why did they go there? I don't know. I really don't know. Did something happen there that I don't know? I don't, the Bible does not talk about that. I, it would really mess up my theology if something really bad happened there, but I don't know. But for some reason, that's where they decided to go. And they were were not there for any kind of pleasure purposes we know in the city. They were there to spy it out. So they ended up in her house. So the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the word had gotten out. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab because these guys were seen going into her house. It says, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman who had taken the two men and and had hidden them, she said, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. A bunch of lies right there. A bunch of lies right there. But she made up this story, and it says in the next verse, it says, "...but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax which she had laid out on the roof." So, that's the real story. So, the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know, okay, listen to this. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Okay, so now she's speaking she says, I know. That's powerful right there. I know this. I know this. This is truth. I know this. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, which happened 40 years prior. And what you did to Shehan and Og. These were massive, incredible warrior kings that thought were, nobody could ever destroy them. The two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear. Look at this. And everyone's courage failed because of you. Now she makes a profound statement. She says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. So here she makes actually a profession of faith in God. Jesus had not yet come yet but, but this profession of faith basically says I agree with, the, with your religion I agree with the, that this is God your God is God that is powerful I'll say that again so she makes this profession of faith saying for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below now then please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, that means enter to Jericho, <coughs> you have. Tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all of your family into your house. And if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid upon them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath that you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So this would would have been hanging out of her window so they could see it from the outside of the walls of Jericho. When they left, They went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua son of Nun and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. It's because of really what God was doing through them. So here we have Rahab. She is a woman of faith. And faith demands action-oriented risk-taking. And the model for that is Rahab. Now, now first of all, we just have to say, Rahab lived a risky life. She did. She lived a, a risky life. And keep in mind, she was a prostitute. It was a very risky lifestyle that she was involved in when she had her faith encounter and even when she made her profession of faith. But what I find interesting is she was a person who understood risk-taking. She understood that. And and looking from the outside, she might be the type of person that most people would say, well, God can't use a person like that. You know, a person like that who, who has faith, God's not going to pay any attention to that because their lifestyle is really, really, really messed up. No, actually... What this narrative teaches, one of the things this narrative teaches us is that no matter how bad you are, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how far you are away from God, God still loves you, God is still reaching out for you, God still cares about you, and God wants to pull you in. All you have to do is put your complete faith and trust in God, and this is actually what she did. So she was a risk taker by nature. Now, one of the things that that I've seen even in our own world is some people who have radical transformations, people who have been like extreme risk takers in one way or another in their lives and may, may be well known. When those people make a decision to follow Christ, they take that whole risk-taking attitude right into, right into their walk with God and they become some of the most powerful uh, men and women of God in our generation. Why? It's because they understand, hey, risk-taking is important. It, it worked back then, but it's going to be even more important. It's going to work even better as a person of faith. So they took that risk. Now, Understand, they didn't take the risk, that, that no one takes the risk alone. There's always cooperation. So she's taking her risk, but also the men are cooperating with her. So she has other people united in faith with her. That's always critical to moving forward with faith. So so Rahab, what she basically did is she risked everything to be a part of this new move of God. There was a new move of God that was happening in the area. And God was about ready to turn everything upside down. And there's a day coming very soon when that's going to happen in our world again. And she is now saying, I want to be on the right side of this whole thing. (laughs) And, and, And when she made that profession of faith, which is this, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. What she did when she said that, she decided with her lips to be part of the new move of God. And it was in stark contrast to all the rest of the people who were in the city and and uh, you know all the people they 'd heard about the miracles they had heard about all these these wonderful things that were happening and and what it caused them to do see miracles. That are working on behalf of God's people, it will do one of two things. It will either cause non-believers to just melt in fear or it will cause a non-believer to say, I want that faith. I want to have that. So what happened here, she said that their courage had been drained away. The people of Jericho, they no longer had any courage. They couldn't even fight if they wanted to because God's people were standing strong and they were standing with faith and, and they were doing great exploits. And church, I look forward to a day in our land and in our city when God's people are doing great exploits for him and others are looking and saying, wow, you know, that's, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. And, and other people are going to look and they're going to say, I want in on that. I want in on that. See, her faith actually gave her courage and she risked her life to protect God's agenda. She risked everything. I'm going to protect God's agenda. Church, S- hear, hear me well. Simply having faith wasn't enough. She had to do something with her faith. So she took this faith risk of protecting the spies, which were God's people, and she exchanged her services of protecting them uh, and, and uh, for her own preservation of her life and her family. And she gave them these instructions. She gave them all these details. And she risked her life. Get this. She risked her life to protect God's agenda. Are you willing to do the same? You see, faith is being willing to risk your life for the agenda of God. In fact, I believe this is one of the things that will mark believers in the days ahead, because faith demands action oriented risk taking. God honors people who take faith risks, and, and God, God's, honestly, He's not pleased with people who shrink back. The book of Hebrews tells us that. You shrink back. You're like, no, I don't know, I don't know. God's not pleased with that. But God was looking for people who were willing to be bold in their faith. And what happened as a result is Rahab saved her entire family uh, from destruction. Now, I, I want you to think about this. None of these other people made this profession of faith. None of these other people had said, man, we're in on this. No, she said, you come to my house. You come to my house. And, and, and it, was, it was all about her linking up her faith with God and the, and the move of God. And her, her entire family was saved. Hear me well. When you take faith risks and you're out there, you're out there on the edge and you're, you're believing God for miracles and you're working, it's not just for you. There are other people around you that are supposed to be part of the miracle and I just encourage you to pull them in. Pull them in close because when God blesses and when God saves, when God restores or when God pours out His Spirit or when God works the miracle, you want as many people in on it as possible. It's not just about, all about you. In fact, Joshua chapter 6, um, verses 22-25 through 25 tell us of how this story wrapped up. It says that the city was entirely burned but one family based upon one woman's faith was saved. And not only was she saved and got to live in that little house because actually she didn't, she joined uh, the people of Israel. She joined the children of Israel. Every indication is she chose to become a Jew herself. but not, not that she had the right race, but she just chose that she was going to be a part of this. So she dove in to the promises of God, gave herself over that she joined their faith, she joined their religion, and she lived with them. And not just her, but her entire family. Her entire family. That's, that's actually huge. Because you don't know what God might be doing through one of your family members as a result of your own faith. I I, I just want to pause here and say, some of you, you need to have faith for your family. You need to believe so strongly in God's desire to rescue them that you're going to believe for it no matter what. You're going to share your faith with them no matter how awkward it may seem and you're going to love them and you're going to pull them in close because there will be a day, church, when God will judge this earth and only people who have put their faith in Jesus are going to be secure. They are the only ones who will be rescued. And interestingly enough, As we've noticed earlier, which you may not have caught this when we read it, Rahab became a righteous woman. She became a righteous woman. Now, I know the thoughts are, well, she became a righteous woman because she gave up prostitution. Actually, that's not what the Bible says. Now, I'm confident that happened. But she became a righteous woman because of her faith, because of what she risked. You can't be righteous without faith. Again, James 2.25, I'll read it to you again. Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous, righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies? Your righteousness is going to come by faith. People of faith are going to be the ones rising up in righteousness in these last days. Another interesting thing that we, we find here about Rahab is Rahab is actually mentioned in the bloodline of King David and Jesus Christ himself. Now is that crazy or what? I, I know you might say, but wouldn't Jesus need to have a pure bloodline? Oh, of course he did. He did. <laughs> he did. Because she was she became righteous by faith. There is a get this in your wrap your brain around this. There is a prostitute in the lineage of King David and in Jesus Christ. You know some of you, there, there, there's a thing that's kind of out there right now that, that, well, if someone way back back there in the past did something wrong or they did something evil, then, it, then you have to pay the price for it today. Actually, no, that's not the truth. That's not the truth. And and some of you are, you feel like, well, you're not good enough because of maybe what your father or your grandfather or your grandmother or something back from your family, something that has happened or something that that was there that, that dominated their lifestyles. I'll just tell you what, no, you don't have to believe that. You can see that broken. This former prostitute had faith, and <laughs> because of her faith, she became righteous, and she became the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus, <laughs> of Jesus. Okay. And you do realize there are only four women that are listed in this. In Matthew chapter one, if you read, th- read through Matthew chapter one, you're only going to find four women's names that begin with. It begins with Abraham, and it doesn't even talk about Sarah. I mean, it, but it goes. There are four women in there, and one of them is Rahab the prostitute. And I think it's interesting that they keep that title in there, Rahab the prostitute, just to remind us that God can do anything. God can do anything with your life. (laughs) Jesus is in the business of taking messed up lives and turning them around and changing them. And you thought your sin was too big for God? (laughs) Ha ha. Some of you need, you need to look forward to t- having a chat with Rahab the prostitute in heaven. <laughs> I want to hear her stories. Do you know that Rahab is also mentioned in what's, what we call the hall of faith in the, in the book of Hebrews? In the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, there's this listing of all of these greatest heroes of the faith from all time. And it, and it talks about them and the things they did. And, and that, that is given to us as encouragement. As basically that these people had faith and they couldn't even see the answers in front of them. But, but they still had faith and we're supposed to live like these people. And you're just reading through that. And then all of a sudden you're hit with this one scripture about Rahab the prostitute having be, being a person of great faith. I mean, she is listed right up there with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my friend. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. Look at it. It says this. It says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, I mean, she is all through the Bible. <laughs> By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. When we take faith risks, God works miracles. Faith demands action-oriented risk-taking. But hear me well, faith always demands a risk. I'm not encouraging you to go and do something crazy. That's, that's not my encouragement here. But But really, when we're to activate our faith and move forward, God will quite often show you a risk that needs to be taken. And it will be confirmed by others. See, but a lot of people won't engage faith because they see the risk. And so what a lot of people do is they say, Well, I'm just going to do my life business as usual and I'm going to risk nothing. There's always risk in stepping out. There was risk when you got into your vehicle this morning and drove here. There's risk all the time. There's risk when you walk out on the front porch of your house. There's risk when you're eating that that turkey and you might get sick. I mean, there's risk all the time. Why are we protecting ourselves from faith risks? I think that's one of the most foolish things that we we can do. Actually, I believe that if you're not taking faith risks, if you're just thinking, well, I'm just going to play it safe, you're, you're, not, you're actually regressing. You're moving backwards. I like Oswald Chambers, and he has this quote, and I, I usually don't quote people in my messages, but I want to quote this. Oswald Chambers says this. He says, if a man is going to do anything worthwhile, there are times when he has to risk everything on a leap. And in the spiritual world, Jesus Christ demands that we risk everything, everything that we hold by our common sense and leap into what he says. Immediately when we do, we find that what he says fits on us as solidly as our common sense. Faith demands action-oriented risk-taking but I believe the greater risk is standing still the greater risk is just choosing to not step out in faith and I believe that if you stand still you've fallen into the enemy's tactic that's going to freeze you up spiritually and, uh, and you'll be, you, you can be pulled under because of spiritual inactivity you'll find yourself in a dry place and I, I do warn you that, that, if, that, that if you're not living by faith taking faith steps, taking faith risks you will find yourself drying up spiritually and, and, and to, be, to be honest with you Um, faithlessness is the seed of bitterness and resentment and hatred and anger and unforgiveness, which then opens up the doors to a host of sins. And you can go back now and say, now I see why faith is essential for righteousness. Faith is essential for righteousness. And as you're acting on faith and being people of faith, God works miracles. God works miracles. Some of you need to get into the secret place of what's often called your prayer closet. doesn't have to be a literal closet, but just a place where you pray, or it could be your car. And begin believing God for miracles. And then asking God for a plan of action where you're going to step out in faith and do something huge. Watch what God will do, because ultimately, it's not about God wanting to bless you and give you stuff. That's, that's really not the goal here. Ultimately, it's about bringing people in to his kingdom because that's what he cares about the most. You hear me? It's ultimately about bringing people into his kingdom because what happened with Rahab? Her whole family was saved. Her whole family became a part of it. See, Rahab had a son. His name was Salman. And he is the great, great 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 grandfather of Jesus. Amazing, amazing, amazing. God cares about you. He cares about your family. And he cares about the lost. And God doesn't just work miracles just to make us feel good. I mean, he does, he does plenty of that. But that's not, his core reason is he wants to build his kingdom. And he wants you to be an agent of his kingdom. Jesus said this. This is in Luke 19, verse 26. And I'm reading this from the message version of the Bible. He says, risk your life and get more than you've ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. I've done my research on that. That's basically what it means. So what are you going to do with what God has spoken today? I don't want this to be head knowledge. I don't want you to say, wow, I've had a great history lesson about Rahab. I learned some good stuff. I hope you did, but I hope you will take this a step further. Listen to the Holy Spirit because he's talking to everyone in different ways right now. And here's my question to you. What faith risk is God nudging you to take? What faith risk is God nudging you to take? And I want you to just take a moment. And talk to God about it. Say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. Because what you do could be the catalyst to something amazing. Because that faith risk may open up the door for so many people to come into the kingdom of God you don't even know how that's going to happen you might think well my faith risk has come basically about self preservation that's what hers was but it ended up being something so much more than that that's God's agenda that's God's plan i like for us to just lock ourselves in right now with God will you just close your eyes and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and I want you to obey what he's telling you to While you're doing that, I also want to throw this out that if there's anyone in here and you're not in right relationship with Jesus Christ, if Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of your life, then now is the time to give your life to Him. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a minute, and if you want to be included in this prayer and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you should do it because tomorrow is not promised. But Jesus has promised eternal life for those whose sins are forgiven for those who give their lives to him, and I want that for you. If you need Jesus today, you want to pray that prayer with me, just lift your hand at the count of three. That way I can see your hand and I can connect my faith with yours. One, two, three. Lift your hand up for me. I want Jesus in my life today. Today I want to choose to serve Jesus. Church, will you pray these words with me? And I want you to pray these as an encouragement to anyone who's praying this prayer or needs to pray this prayer, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online. I want you to say these words with me, church, as encouragement to everyone. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Let your Holy Spirit come into my life. I turn from my old way of living and I choose you today. I'm not going back to that old way. I'm choosing a life of faith. Even when I can't see what's ahead, I'm going to believe that you will be with me. You will walk with me. You will strengthen me. And you will take me to that next place. And Jesus, I look forward to spending eternity with you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.